The following podcast contains spoilers for The Hidden Fortress. You have been warned! What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Magusto. That is me, myself, and I. Oh, my baby boy. Oh, How hello. I've missed you all week long. How are you, Glenjamin, my dear I, child? Just, you know, I'm good. You know, it's been, yeah. it's been a little bit of a week. I feel like we both sound like robots because we're both <laughs> extremely tired from such a long week of chaotic things or yes. nothingness at the yes. same time. I feel like I haven't had a free minute. Obviously, I have had a free minute because mm-hmm. I have movies that I've watched. Uh, but it feels like I haven't had a free minute. Well, um, I, know, I know you're much busier than me for other reasons. Yes, just but, a, a few reasons. But uh, in this time of craziness, Glenjamin, uh, what movies have you watched? The only movie that I watched besides our movie is, funnily enough, a movie we've watched together, which was Black Widow. Oh, yes. But we have a review up up on the YouTubes for that, so you can check that out and see how definitely Mike felt about it, and also <laughs> myself. <laughs> yes, I may be a little more forthcoming about nope, how I felt about it. I have been telling people all week how you reacted at the end credit scene and how fucking hilarious it was. Uh, I've, how you, did you I, said it so out loud, it was so funny. I was just looking wh- at her. What did I say? I can't remember. That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> word for word, tone for tone, so loud in the theater as soon as everything uh, ended. At this point, I think I'm subconsciously trying to pick a fight with Marvel fans. I mean, I was I was looking around ready for somebody to be like, yo, fuck you, guy. Yeah, yeah unfortunately for them, they're all weebs and, and like scrawny mm-hmm. motherfuckers. So. They're 5'8", smaller than even I. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, other than that, what have you seen? Because I haven't seen uh, any. So I saw Black Widow. We, mm. we, we've established somewhat how I feel about that, but you can check out our review. Uh, oh, the, but that was the second movie I watched. The oh. first movie I watched was Reanimator, uh, oh, 1985. Yeah. Yes. Have you watched? You've watched that before, right? I have not. That was my first time. Oh, okay, because I, um, I watched that movie because of Tony. He recommended it to me. And Tony, if you're listening to this, I apologize, but any movie he recommends to me, uh, that is a ho- horror based. Yeah. I tend to uh, hold off as long as possible to watch it because he and I have two very different ideas of what horror should be, and that's fine, you know. And that is fine. He's he's allowed to have his opinion, but mm-hmm. we, we just don't see idea eye to eye. This one, he, uh, he loves Reanimator, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- recommending it, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy it too much. I I think it was pretty down the middle for me. Um, it had some really cool effects. I, I remember having a review, but I don't remember exactly how I felt about it. I, I remember you saying that it wasn't, it didn't feel like horror. It kind of felt like camp, a campy comedy that had body yeah. mutilation in it. Um, and that's kind of what it is. I, I, I will never watch it again. <laughs> but I, I also understand why horror fans like it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm just not that I'm not the the demographic for that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I watched Black Widow, obviously review on YouTube. Uh, then I watched a little mini series called The Sons of Sam: A Descent into Darkness. It is a movie a, or a limited series, docu series about this journalist who came up with this theory 
about the son of Sam Killer in uh, New York in the 70s or 80s or both. Interesting. Um, and uh, how he thinks that it wasn't just one person, even though the cops think it's one person. I still don't um, know anything about that. So, I mean, it's maybe pretty compelling. Yeah. Um, like, so, I've heard yeah. the son of Sam multiple times throughout my yeah. life. I've never explored knowledge of it, though. I don't know if I quite buy it, but it is something. Like, you know, it is it is interesting. It's more yeah. interesting than some other, like, conspiracy theories, uh, where it's like, if it was ever proven to be true, I'd be like, oh, okay. But mm-hmm. he, he definitely takes some leaps on some things. But it's not like, they're not unrealistic leaps, where yeah. it's like, oh, and then Bigfoot came in and raped say, the and whole Sasquatch village. was ransacking the plots. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was yeah. That reminds me of that miniseries Sasquatch, which is yeah, actually the, the best <laughs> the best limited series I've ever seen. And I'm not gonna say why because it will ruin it. But like people should really check that out. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, so yeah, I watched that. Then I watched a documentary at the Colonial Theater called "The Loneliest Loneliest Whale: The Search mm. for 52." Um, it is by a documentary filmmaker who did another documentary I like called "Cropsy," which is about a uh, like a boogeyman type legend that actually ended up being true uh, in in Long Island, New York. And uh, I don't know why I'm going into so much detail about that. This is about the loneliest whale. (laughs) I mean, Um, it's all coming together. But that one's really good, which is like piqued me, piqued my interest on this one. But they also had a compelling story where this whale was recorded uh, with a song of like 52 hertz and no other whale communicates at that frequency. So Mm -hmm. everyone thought this whale was like, the only one of its species. Yeah. And I can't say too much without getting it away, but it's really compelling. Kind of goes into the history of, you know, whaling and then how people turned against whaling and everything. Uh, it's, it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's not like going to rock your socks or anything, but it's, it's a nice feel good. Well, I, I was hoping um, for a whaling documentary that would rock my socks and I'm a little disappointed. It's like, no, that sounds, yeah. that does sound interesting. So yeah, that's pretty cool. It's good. It's a nice, chill documentary. It's got great sound design. So if you can see it with surround sound, I suggest you check that out. Ooh. Uh, but I know yeah, you were having a good time. Oh, wait, you oh, were yeah. seeing it in a the theater, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Still, regardless, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched The Hidden Fortress, which we're going to get into uh, now because we don't yes. have any news. No, no news for us, really. So without any further ado, let's talk about The Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. Let me, I totally forgot to put up the IMDb for it. So bear mm-hmm. with me. Ha! The Hidden Fortress. Ooh. Yes. Lord by gold, two greedy peasants unknowingly escort a princess and her general across enemy lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Uh, it is directed by Akira Kurosawa, written by Ryuzo Kikushima, Hideo Oguni, uh, Shinobu Hashimoto. Uh, it is starring Toshiro Mifune, Miss, uh, Misa... Uahara, Minoru Chiaki, and Kama, Kamatari Fujiwara. Um, also, Takashi Shimura is in there for a hot minute for people mm-hmm. who uh, like the movie Akira. Um, or Akiru, sorry, Akira. 
Akiru. Oh, two different ugh. movies, but it's yes. okay. It's all but good. Yes, uh, if you couldn't tell, this is obviously a Japanese film from 1958. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lot of big Japanese names in there, like Akira Kurosawa and uh, Toshiro Mif- uh, Mifune, and others who you know. If you're into Japanese movies, you probably know. Um, so but yeah, this was uh, roulette, was it not? This, this was roulette. I want to yes. start off by saying that right off the bat, this is the first uh, Kurosawa movie that I've ever watched. I feel like didn't we just do one? Didn't did we? Because I think this is the first one that I've watched of his. Oh my goodness! I feel like. Wait, hold on. Let me check. <laughs> uh, was it a, a a screenplay? Maybe. Written, I've got, obviously, this one, Fistful of Dollars, and then Magnificent Seven. I think we even talked about this last week. Did you just recently watch Fistful of Dollars? I mean, it's been maybe somewhere between this last year or so. Uh, Anyway, this is great podcasting right now. Uh (laughs) (laughs) It just baffled me so much. Anyway, uh, so A Hidden Fortress. Uh, Yes, it is a a film uh, by Akira Kurosawa. Gwen's first Akira Kurosawa movie. Yes. Uh, we have confirmed that more or less, you know, first directorial uh, Kurosawa movie. Uh, it's probably my f- fourth or fifth. I, I don't want to look that up because we already bored the audience. But, uh, but you, I I, uh, I really lo- like this movie. It was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. It, it was. Because, uh, you know, he usually does kind of um, like samurai dramas and, and, and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. just dramas in general like uh, akiru is a very uh straight drama uh but this had a lot of humorous parts mainly with the uh peasant characters uh minoru chiaki and kamatari fujiwara uh mm-hmm. who reminded me of us and i texted that, you about it is, that it is us it is the, there's a there's a skinny wimpy kid and then well he's not really a kid but yeah yeah skinny wimpy and then the ch- uh, chonkier boy yeah uh, which which is me <laughs> and uh, it, it's the reason I uh, the this the moment that I sent that to you is when they are uh, in the middle of the prison riot. And they just go, if we die together, I'm glad I'm dying with you. Yeah, it's, just, it's <laughs> like that's like the perfect moment for us to yeah, be like, it's like just compared to when things are falling apart. And then they turn on each other in just a second, which I, yeah. you know, we wouldn't do truthfully, but we would do it for fun. Yeah, listen, I, feel I, like, I like money, but I'm not that greedy of a bastard. Yeah, but we, I feel like we would joke around like that. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they were by far my favorite characters. Not that the rest are, are not interesting, but mm-hmm. Tahe and Matashichi. Uh, they were they were definitely the uh, driving force of the comedy in this film, and uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really a really interesting film overall. You, you know, kind of like a, a prison break or um... yeah. What I what I really uh, was I'm not really baffled by. I can't really find a better word for it, but mm-hmm. like, kind of surprised is that uh, the two the two goofy characters were more of the like you said, driving force of the whole f- film more than whatever, like the actual story that was going on was kind of more of like in the background than the actual, yeah. than the actual little two goofballs going yeah. on. 
And I thought that was actually it's actually pretty funny because like there's all this shit going on. And it's just it's kind of like a, a comedy that without even knowing it's like an actual comedy. It's a comedy within a what could be a tragic drama. Yeah, it's like uh, there's all this shit going down behind, and you're just you're just with these two goofballs yelling about how much gold they're gonna get and yeah and everything. It's it yeah. was it was kind of a different perspective on like how it still remained kind of staying true to a drama, but you were just with these two goofballs the whole time, just exactly. arguing about gold and shit and just how. One person wants half, but the other person's getting three quarters of it instead. Yeah, stuff definitely. like that. It was it was very funny to just know that there was serious stuff going on, but you're just still with these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you Toshiro Mifune uh, is one of like the most prolific uh, actors of his time in in Japan. He mm-hmm. was uh, obviously in Seven Samurai. Um, he was in a lot of uh, yeah, he, high movies. and low, which was one of the other options for last week. Mm-hmm. I, I think we had two Akira Kurosawa films uh, to choose from: Yojimbo, which I haven't seen. A lot of them I haven't seen, but I've heard of, which is you know yeah. kind of the theme with me and Kurosawa. Uh, but I, not not for any reason other than there's a lot, and I don't feel like watching all his movies back to back because mm. that. But uh, yeah, Toshiro Mifune has uh, this uncanny ability to be super intimidating. Yeah, but charming and funny at the same time. Yeah, especially when like in the beginning when he's kind of just chasing these guys around. Yeah, he's just messing with them. Yeah, he's just fucking with them the whole time, and then like he'll turn that charm on as soon as he starts laughing at them in the cave, and he's just got this big, gritty smile that's just he's just goof goofy, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know why I keep saying goofy. I need, <laughs> I need to find a thesaurus um, or something. But uh, going back to the plot, you know. It's a really simple plot, but I, I felt like it was extremely effective. Uh, you know, obviously the 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 basis of the plot is that this um, region in Japan was kind of taken over and in battle and destroyed, and there's one member of the royal family in that region still alive, which is the princess, and mm-hmm. they kind of have like this this secret mission to get to a an ally side, but they have to go through enemy territory. And, um, you know, one thing Kurosawa always does, he, uh, at least in the films I've seen, he might have slowed down on this, but he, he does a great job at capturing the Japanese landscape and, and showing things and. Oh, easily too. Yeah, easily. And and to, to what some might think a detriment to the story, because if you're kind of uh you know if if you're if it's hard to for you to stay focused a lot of the his films are like just scroll uh sprawling shots of the the japanese landscape Mm -hmm. um but for me it always works because it's 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 just such a even in black and white it's just gorgeous yeah it's just a pleasantry to your eyes i even like sent you a screenshot of like you did yeah yeah i was like look at this shot yeah and like it wasn't even a good screenshot but it's still like he got my message across he's like oh he's doing that part yeah exactly that was a good shot yeah and uh of course uh, with with the princess being escorted uh she's kind of a strong-willed character so they Mm -hmm. they try to uh 
use reverse psychology to make her think she should be mute. Obviously, she catches them on that, but understands that that is probably the best idea for her to stay, pretend to be mute. Um, And again, with the peasant characters, it it just adds for more comedy because they think she's mute the whole time. Yeah, like Um, even at one point, like she says, all right, goodbye, or like farewell. And they're like, did you say something? (laughs) No. (laughs) I lost it when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were were running away and she's like, well, farewell, you cowards, basically. And they they just turn around like, what the hell? Did you just say that? Did you say that? No. And they they didn't even, it was just them three. And the, the, the idea that it was her didn't even cross their <laughs> yeah. mind uh but it's th- this is a really hard movie to talk about because it is such a simple plot yeah and it's and like even even what we said like that that is the thing that's going on is yeah i mean you got you're the main the main point is like you're with these two goofy guys this whole time yeah. there is this background of drama and it's taking its course like i mean we've i mean we kind of seen this in most movies not like you know that that perspective of things where you're with the goofballs and there's this story behind it but mm-hmm. more of like there is that story but we're going to f- focus on these goofballs while th- that's going on and we're, it's going to be yeah. a nice mixture of both so it's not like anything crazy is like a roller coaster of things are happening you're mm-hmm. just having fun you've got you got beautiful cinematography and you've got great acting from all fronts yeah and, so, and it has a really good uh Kurosawa really does a good job at building tension while also using comedy, mm-hmm. uh, for, for instance, when they're doing the fire festival dance and uh, yeah. someone takes their cart of gold or sticks filled with gold but looks like wood and mm-hmm. dumps it in the fire, and they all join in the celebration all while just like looking at the fire to make sure that their their gold isn't exposed, mm-hmm. and it's just it's this really surreal moment where like they're just going through the motions of this fire festival. And it it does a great job at showing the culture of Japan, but at the same time, they're just like, oh, "Fuck, we might be caught here." And yeah. it's, their faces throughout that entire situation the situation is extremely funny to me, and I I, I I just I liked it so much. I loved how often, as soon as they got like their hint of freedom, they were like, "We're getting away from this these people." Like, I'm tired of this. The hint of freedom that they had is immediately just taken away from them like every single time it's yeah, like, yeah 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 we got the gold we're getting out of here and across the lake is you know enemies and they're like well shit time to go back <laughs> before they or even if they do don't go back they end up in jail almost every time and they yeah. somehow escape every time but like i thought i love that domino effect of like uh they run away get caught and the domino gets picked up and it's just two dominoes it's just run away yeah. get caught or just chilling with the princess and the general and it was so funny that just those those three kept recurring over and over again. Yeah, uh, we talked about um, Kurosawa's use of the landscape, but one thing I think he does really well too uh, is building sets of destruction. Uh, a lot of people who have seen Ran will know that famous shot of the uh, the one emperor leaving his his uh, was it pagoda? Is that what they're called? That's a good question. Uh, well, his 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 temple. I'm not sure what the, the the actual name of it is, but like while it's on complete completely on fire and it's you know it it's impressive for the time. This one, the set of the post battle temple mm-hmm. with like all the burned shards and and they're kind of shoving all of the the prisoners into the the mud to dig for this gold that they're trying to find. 
it's just f- for the time he he was such an impressive filmmaker especially in hollywood where everything was done on sound stages or in the desert and it was all kind of like looking the same and maybe i'm just not familiar enough with japanese film that might have been the standard but it it just it's not something you expect from a, a film from 58 in my well, opinion what i also liked was that you, you saw these obvious cuts throughout the film whenever mm-hmm. like a gunshots or anything was happening yeah but i'm i'm like very glad that they didn't just put their actors at risk and just kind of shot the ground and like got the oh actors you mean like americans there. did yeah <laughs> like americans did um, so like y- you saw that clear cut of like them running into like a bush yeah. or something and then like a cut and then they'd be shooting the bush and then a cut again of them coming yeah. out of that same bush so like Americans, it was, it was nice to see and not put their their, their yeah. actors at risk. Like I that. think I think at this point Hollywood was not doing that anymore. But mm-hmm. at least in uh, the twenties and maybe the beginning of the thirties, I feel like Public Enemy did it. Not not the Johnny Depp one, but the um, Cagney. Is it Cagney Lacey? Is that his name? Good question. Um, James Cagney. I don't know why I said Cagney Lacey. Is that a TV show? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, So the public enemy with uh, James Cagney, there's a scene where, uh, you know, he runs around and dodges bullets and you see, like, cement coming off of the wall and everything. And they legitimately just hired a sharpshooter and had him shoot after him to create that That's, effect. That'd be and so I don't scary. care how good of a shot you are. I'm yeah. not trusting anyone with doing that. To <laughs> no. And like, it's just ludicrous to me. And I'm sure uh, Japan had done that at some point too. Maybe. I don't know. I don't yeah. know enough about Japanese film history, but yeah, I, I'm in full agreement with you where I'd rather, you know, it look kind of fake than maybe, you yeah, know, I'm not sure how they treated the horses. I mean, it didn't look like they hurt any horses or anything in like it that. It didn't look this. like they treated as much as bad yeah. as they do yeah, in Hollywood. Like most westerns and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But I, I mean, I, it was I nice just to feel see that he put thought into like not harming his cast, or at least that's what it looked like for sure. Yeah, and absolutely. I thought that was really cool for sure. Yeah, uh, going back to the horses, I personally feel like riding horses is some form of abuse. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that will disagree with me. But we have cars now. Mm-hmm. Just use cars. I know people <laughs> like horse riding. Yeah. But you're not impressing anyone with riding a horse. Mm-hmm. You just kind of look like a dick. You're just impressing yourself. <laughs> and that's my that's my TED Talk. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this again, this movie's just really hard to talk about because it's so simple. Yeah. Um, one thing that kind of, if, if I have to say anything negative about it, uh, but th- I, I think this was also just kind of like, I don't know if it was the style of acting or if this is really how people talked in Japan, but Princess Yuki just, like, yelled every single line. It seemed like theater um, acting, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I don't know enough about Japanese culture or language to know and if also, that's I, just... I think she only did... She's only done a few films, I think, I looked at. Yeah, because I, I know uh, Japanese is a very, like, from-the-gut speaking, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that's just a product of that, but... Uh, I it did kind of take me out of it a few times. I, I could be. I think it's all about tone, and with her being a princess, I think that's kind of like she's she's got power, so she uses that yeah, power. Yeah, and that could have been what they meant, like yeah, uh, where that she needed to be mute, which I would understand. But you just th- this is mainly on me, my ignorance toward the whole yeah. subject. Uh, but the, like she, even when they're just like, 
hey, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it just took me out of it, but I'm sure there's a reason for it. I, I you know, we've just been praising this movie, so I, yeah. I felt like I should uh, knock it down a peg. <laughs> and I think the only knocking down for, for like me for was the, the time. I think maybe like 10 more minutes off would have been yeah. like a, not like, it, it wasn't hard to like stay focused on this movie or anything like that, but it did feel a little bit long. So maybe like even ten, maybe fifteen minutes or so would have been, would have been nice to cut off. But I mean, it's a nineteen fifty eight film. Like I'll, I mean, I'll take it. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's look at it. it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have too much else to say. No, same here. Yeah. So without any further ado, that brings us to the judgment Glenjamin button. This was a streaming one, so either of us could go first. Yes. But does The Hidden Fortress become a shelf boy with the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden? Uh, one, two, three, up, go. One, two, three, yes. Go. Go, oh, go. yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think we said it. it's it's a really good film. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's Akira Kurosawa's best, but he's one of those directors where even his... Um, lesser movies are still really good. I've, I've, I'm again. I've only seen like five of this, so I'm not an expert. But I really enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. I um, did too. I think uh, this is this is the first one I've seen. Obviously, I've said that multiple times now, and mm-hmm. I think this kind of got me in the mood to want to see almost all of his other ones. Yeah, and then watch Seven Samurai. Yeah, I kind of want to do. I want to see what his best is last. Okay. Interesting. And, uh, and I would because say, I really like this, and I know he's got a prolific career. Yeah. Out of the ones I've seen, I would say Ran is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people would agree with you that Seven Samurai is his best. Um, so I would save Ran for at least towards the Oh, yeah. Well, I'll see the them end. both back to back at the uh, end. Yeah, because, you know, Seven Samurai I love, but it feels long. Ran is long, but doesn't feel long. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, there's that. There's but anyway, that. the Hidden Fortress does make it under the shelf with the likes of Apostle and Handmaid, and that brings us to our plugs for this week. I'll go first. You know, feel like oh, it. I'm a little feeling, switcheroony. Feeling a little, feel, feeling a little, uh, a little cheeky. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I just say words when I, I can't I think of words. It. Uh, but anyway, my plug for this week is a new show coming to FX. I believe August 9th is the first episode. Uh, it is a uh, created by Taika Waititi and uh, Sterling Harjo. But, you know, I don't know Sterling Harjo, but I'm excited because Taika Waititi. And okay. I'm sure I will like Sterling Harjo afterwards. But it is a comedy TV show. Prime with the primary cast being Native Americans, and I fucking love that. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, we we need more representation. Uh, and you know, if you are one of the people that's complaining that there's no white people in commercials mm-hmm. or uh, white men specifically in commercials anymore, you know what? Thank you for proving our point. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, it, this is just great for representation. Uh, I love that it is. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of uh, people we would know, like Zane uh, McLennan and Wes Study, Studi, Study, Studi, Studi, Study. Yeah, I, I apologize that I don't know how to pronounce the name, but I've seen him in a lot of stuff, uh, and he's a great actor. Uh, but yeah, it looks really good. Uh, it looks like it has a chance. To be, I don't want to say like it's always sunny for Native Americans. I don't want to compare it to anything, yeah. but it, it looks like it's going to be really funny. It's, and it's got some potential to be good. Yeah, it's got a lot of potential. 
And it ends, the trailer ends with them walking like the Reservoir Dogs in suits oh, nice. and everything. So that's pretty cool. So that's Reservation Dogs. You can check out the trailer on uh, uh, YouTube on FX Network's YouTube channel. And then the season starts in August, believe August 9th, on FX and on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And that is called Reservation Dogs. Normal. Y'all wouldn't have seen a stolen food truck, would you? Nope. Oh. Someone stole the truck. Broad daylight. Put your seatbelt on. Seatbelt? People's safety. We're stealing a f***ing chip truck. I do not give a shit, man. Put your seatbelt on. Jeez. We're not Go! Apparently it was full of chips. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> You're good thieves. Best in town. Oh. Thank you. It is a small town. All right. There we go. Yes. Um, for mine, uh, I've I've plugged these a few times now. I really like the series uh, Actors on Actors that are on uh, Variety on their YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was literally just watching this when you were like, hey, you ready? And I was like, am I? Ooh. Um, I literally have like two minutes left, so I pretty much watched the whole thing. It's only like 30 minutes plus. Um, it's Ewan McGregor and Pedro Pascal. Um, they talk mm-hmm. about Sto- uh, Stormtroopers, Baby Yoda, Star Wars. I wish they talked about more. I kind of hate when they put like a talk about these themes and I wish they talked more about the careers of each Mm -hmm. other and like just, you know, uh, the inspiration of each other. Like Pedro Pascal, like right off the bat, he's like, listen, I know we were talking about Star Wars. I just want to say how much of a great actor you are and how much you've influenced my career. I want more of that. But, you know, for these two actors, I want to just plug Ewan McGregor and Pedro Pascal on Variety on YouTube. It's been great for the first 30 years of my career but now i just want to stay at home you know <laughs> i just want to drive to work and drive home from work i want a proper job <laughs> oh my god it's so immersive and um i don't know I, I i love that you're experiencing it i'm gonna jump out of star wars for just a second because i have to tell you in 96 i i did this summer trip i i lived in in spain and i remember when i finally came home my friends uh, picked me up uh, from the airport. I flew back to New York. And the first thing that they said to me was, you have to see train spotting. Literally the very, very first thing. And, and that began my, my uh, absorption of, of your entire career. So I know we jumped right into Star Wars, but I've got to tell you what I, you know, You've got to understand at least a little bit what an honor it is to be speaking to you. Oh, well, that's nice. Thank you. Cool. So those are our plugs for this week. That brings us to our assignment for next week. Honestly, my life has been fucking crazy Mm -hmm. the past week. Uh, Looking for a house. Anyone who's looked for a house knows how fucking crazy it is. It is crazy. Uh, It seems like it's about to be even more crazy in the next month or so. So if I didn't put 100% thought into this, I'm sorry, but, you know. It's okay. Tough titties. We have both already seen this. Uh, oh, hell yeah. It is on Amazon Prime, and it is a film that I have not seen since it was in theaters, and I really want to watch it because I have it on Blu-ray, but, you know, it is on Amazon for people who don't have it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is The Lighthouse from 2019. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been I've been wanting to jump back into this and see how I feel about it. Because I haven't watched it, obviously, since the theaters. So yeah. I'm okay with this for sure. Uh, maybe I'll have you over and we can watch it together. But I'd anyway, be okay, I'd be okay yes. with that. Do you love me, lobster? Do you, I just want to watch the, the seagull beat down. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, that's The Lighthouse on Amazon Prime. Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. Uh, so fun fact, it is based on a true story of uh, these lighthouse workers that mysteriously went missing, in, I believe, off the coast of Scotland mm-hmm. around the time that this is supposed to take place. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know why I told you that, but that's that's a fact. The more you know. <laughs> uh, it is directed by Robert Eggers, written by Robert Eggers and Max Eggers, who I'm assuming they're related. Uh, and it stars Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, and Valeria Karaman. Pretty much anyone else is not even worth mentioning. Yeah, there's just nobody in here. That's pretty yeah, much it's, it's just it's, them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was even debating whether or not to have Valeria uh, Caraman, but she is an important she, part she of is, the film. She is the mermaid. Yes. So that is The Lighthouse on Amazon Prime, and we're going to get a little crazy. What's a timberman want with being a wiki? It's looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Why just spill your beans? Mm-hmm. Yes. I was, anyway. trying to, I was trying to come up with something in the end, and it just didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. You can check out our website, www.keystonefilmreview.com. On Instagram, we are Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, Keystone Film Review. YouTube, Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until we watch The Lighthouse with Duh. Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Do you love me, lobster? I think he does. Tell me you love me cooking. <laughs> oh!